Our scripture reading for the first Sunday of Lent is from the 10th chapter of Luke. Listen for God's word to us today. Just then, a lawyer stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he said, what must I do to inherit eternal life? He said to him, what is written in the law? What do you read there? And he answered, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him, you have given the right answer to this. Do this and you will live. But wanting to justify himself, he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? Jesus replied, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell into the hands of robbers who stripped him and beat him and went away, leaving him half dead. Now, by chance, a priest was going down that road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. So, likewise, a Levite when he came to the place and saw him pass by on the other side. But a Samaritan, while traveling, came near him, and when he saw him, he was moved with pity. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, having poured oil and wine on them. Then he put him on his own animal, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day, he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper and said, take care of him. And when I come back, I will repay whatever more you spend. Now, which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers? He said, the one who showed him mercy. And Jesus said to him, go and do likewise. And now as they went on their way, Jesus entered a certain village where a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. She had a sister named Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to what he was saying. But Martha was distracted by her many tasks. So she came to him and asked, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to do all the work by myself? Tell her to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and distracted by many things. There is need of one thing only. Mary has chosen the better part, which will not be taken away from her. May God bless our hearing and our understanding of this word to us today. And may these holy words continue to shape us and form us as God's holy people in this world. How many watched the Oscars last Sunday night? A lot? Well, one of the things that the Academy Awards show reminds us of each year, aside from the various movie stars' political leanings and fashion choices, is that there are many ways to tell a story. Truly great storytellers make careful choices about plot, character development, pacing, and scenery. What we might forget watching the high-tech glitz that is Oscar night is that this is not new. Indeed, great storytellers have been 
making choices about how they tell their stories for as long as human beings have told stories. And so I think we can assume that Jesus, in telling this particular story, which has become one of the world's great stories, made similar choices. He chose carefully so that this story would have the impact that he wanted it to have on the man who posed the question, on the crowds who overheard it, and on us listening in on their conversation 2,000 years later. Just then a lawyer stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he said, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus said to him, what is written in the law? What do you read there? And, Jesus an and the young man answered, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and strength, and your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus said to him, you have given the right answer. Do this and you will live. But the lawyer wanted to justify himself, and so he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? Now the lawyer, of course, wants to know what are the minimum requirements? What's the least I can do and still fulfill the requirements of the law? Jesus wants to show him that the circle is much wider than he thinks it is. Jesus wants to show that the circle that includes our neighbor is in fact wider than we can ever imagine, that it even includes those we would count as our enemies, and that seeking to meet the bare minimum requirements in the love of God and neighbor is not the path that leads to eternal life, to the realm of God. Okay, so if that's what Jesus wants to convey, why then didn't he choose to tell the story this way? There was a Samaritan man traveling from Jericho to Jerusalem when he was set upon by robbers and left half dead. There was a Roman soldier going down that road, and when he saw the man, he went by on the other side. Likewise, there was a tax collector traveling down that road, and he also passed by on the other side. Finally, though, there was a priest of the Jewish people going down that road, and when he saw that Samaritan, he had pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds. He put him on his own animal. He took him to an inn. He took care of him. Now, which of these was the neighbor to the man who fell among the robbers? Why doesn't that work? It's still the case that the one who was beaten and the one who helped him were from two groups that considered each other enemies. In this alternative version of the story, the priest presumably would still have had to overcome his biases, his prejudices, his deeply seated understanding of who the Samaritans were to overcome all that and yet still help the injured Samaritan. The story would still be about the vast reach of the commandment to love our neighbor as ourselves. The alternative version would still be a rebuke to the lawyer who wanted to know what the minimum requirements were for religious living. So why doesn't it work? Why is it boring? Why does it not seem like the kind of story that would stand the test of time and still be inspiring retellings for centuries? Well, I think it doesn't work because there's no surprise. The ones in the alternative version who walk by the injured Samaritan are exactly the ones you would expect to walk by. And the one who stops, the priest, 
is just the one you'd expect to be more righteous than the average traveler. Of course the pastor stopped to help. Who else? Go thou and do likewise, please. Priests are supposed to be holier than the rest of us. Why do we pay them otherwise? There's nothing in the alternative version of the story to stop us in our tracks, nothing to surprise us, nothing that challenges the way we think the world works. It's safe and it's boring and it's easily ignored. But Jesus tells a different story. First, Jesus tells a truth that isn't supposed to be spoken out loud that some religious authorities are more concerned with their own reputations than with the realities of compassion and justice and mercy. Some religious authorities are more concerned about their own reputations than about human suffering. The one who shows justice and mercy and compassion and kindness is from a group that the audience has been told that they're better than, than they are superior to, that they are more pleasing to God than. Jesus' story answers the lawyer's question, who is my neighbor, by saying, you're never going to be able to understand the answer to this question until you let go of your own sense of righteousness, your own sense of privilege, your own sense that you are better than others. You're never going to receive eternal life if you seek to center your life around policing the boundaries that make your life feel safe and manageable and secure. Now the lawyer reluctantly answers Jesus' question, which one of these was neighbor to the man who fell among the robbers? With, I suppose, the one who showed him mercy. You immediately get the idea, don't you, that this isn't really the answer that the lawyer was hoping for. Because mercy is unpredictable. Mercy is about love showing up where love is not necessarily expected. Mercy is about kindness offered when kindness isn't necessarily deserved. Mercy transgresses legal categories, just the sort of thing that would make a lawyer uncomfortable. And then Jesus leaves the lawyer, leaves the crowd, and leaves us with this directive, go and be like this. Embody mercy. Be the plot twist in the story. Be the surprise that someone meets on the road. Be the character that keeps the story from being boring and predictable and moralistic. That's what the realm of God looks like here and now. And just in case we think this is just a story, just a parable, just a fable, Luke, the gospel writer, immediately takes us from the Jericho Road to a household in Bethany where some of these ideas are playing out in real time. Now, at first I was kind of annoyed that in the narrative lectionary, they have the Good Samaritan and then the story of Mary and Martha all assigned to the same Sunday. I said, that's ridiculous. How could you cover both of those stories in one Sunday? But now I think there's a reason why Luke does that, why Luke sends us straight from Jericho to Bethany. Because there Jesus finds his good friend Martha, who is also very concerned with following the rules and making sure that everyone else does too. She had a sister named Mary who sat at Jesus' feet and listened to what he was saying. 
But Martha was distracted by her many tasks, so she came to Jesus and asked him, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do all the work? Tell her to help me. But then Jesus answered, Martha, you are worried and distracted by many things. There is need of one thing only. Now, most of us, most of us in our daily lives are not going to run into victims of violent crime on the road to work, mostly. So in many ways, it would be easy for us to keep the message of the Good Samaritan kind of at arm's length, kind of at the theoretical level. Most of us are not going to be like the person in the story. We're not going to come across that context as the place where we are going to be asked to embody compassion. But we all are going to run into situations every day, in our own homes maybe even, where we are going to be asked to choose between embodying compassion and mercy or insisting that everyone follow the rules as we see them, even if that means missing a thing or two that God has to say to us. We might go our whole lives without having an opportunity to embody compassion and mercy as a life-saving hero, like the Good Samaritan. But we all have countless opportunities in our lives, maybe even every day, where we can choose to embody compassion and mercy to those closest to us, or we can choose to insist on strict rule-following judgment. When we read the story of Mary and Martha all by itself, like we usually do, we tend to see the one thing needed that Jesus talks about as the thing that Mary is doing, sitting, listening to Jesus. But I think when you read the story right next to the parable of the Good Samaritan, as it is in Luke's Gospel, we can see something really different. We can see that perhaps the one thing that Martha needed is to choose mercy, to choose compassion. Because, can we talk in real life, Martha is beginning to look a lot like the Levite and the priest in the parable. She is consumed with her duties. She's busy. She can't stop. She can't have time to be interrupted, not even by the arrival of Jesus himself into her home. She's missing everything. She doesn't see. The one thing needed for Martha, perhaps, is for her to be able to stop by the side of the road, in the middle of her own kitchen, to notice what's really happening, to see that she has an opportunity to embody mercy and grace and compassion and kindness. There's one thing needed for Martha, and that is to be able to stop and to notice what's really happening and to respond to the opportunity to love God with all her heart and soul and mind and strength and her sister as herself. So whether we are on the road between Jerusalem and Jericho or simply in the door of our own kitchen, Jesus says to us, Go and do likewise. Amen.